The Stone Zone with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit Roger Stone. Stone is served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times bestselling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Roger Trump. Stone. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Troy Smith. I am the co-host here on The Stone Zone, and today I am filling in for your host, Roger Stone. Uh, as we move forward towards the 2024 election, there's so many questions and concerns that the American people have on their minds that we often kind of lose track of what is most important. And when that happens, there is kind of a cascading effect that occurs where the most loud subject is often not the most important subject. So while we focus on things that are cultural, things that are political and governmental kind of get lost. And what happens is the people that are in control of government, the same people who targeted President Donald Trump and his administration over the four years and, and, and facilitated the FISA spying and facilitated the lawless wiretapping, those people end up making the decisions that put us in a position in the future where we are weaker. And I think the result of Bill Clinton, the result of the Bushes, the result of Barack Obama has been the chaos and dysfunction that we see in the Biden administration. I don't think looking at the Biden administration that this is the result of one election, folks. This is the culmination of decades of political control. And the reason that it is so formidable right now, the reason that it is so uh, large and lurking over our country and having such an effect on the average American at this point is because Donald Trump and his supporters decided to stand up. And when they decided to stand up, it was at that point that those in control of our government and those in control of our world decided that it was worth plunging the world into a global pandemic in order to regain their political control over the United States. It was worth them sacrificing our cities in the BLM riots of 2020. It was worth them destroying our country and handing over the presidency to a shell of a man, Joe Biden, to regain political control of our country. Now, since this has happened, it's gone in a completely different direction worldwide and China is surging across the globe. China is taking a foothold in uh, South America, in Central America, in, in, in other parts of Asia, in Africa, China is surging, including in the Middle East, which we're going to get to here. And, and just in a few minutes, we're going to bring on a guest, uh, a, a friend of mine from Maryland who's running for Congress, a great guy who's done a lot to kind of strengthen the political positioning of the Trump administration and the America First movement and to help kind of guide where the Trump policies are in terms of energy. Uh, and that man is Dave Wallace. He's running for Congress in Maryland, uh, too, and he'll be on here in just a minute. But as we're you know, talking about where we're heading into here, folks, as far as 2024 is concerned, it, is, it, it cannot be stated heavily enough that Donald Trump is a break from the 28 years of consistency, consistency as it pertains to failure that we saw prior to his presidency. And I'm talking about Bush Sr., Clinton, Bush Jr., and Barack Obama. Through their presidencies, the United States slipped and slipped and slipped and slipped. And that has all culminated now in China rising across the globe and the United States continuing to fall. And as we continue to get weaker, the attempts by the people in control of our country to humiliate us, to denigrate our country, and to make life harder for the average American only increase. And things get more difficult and more difficult and more difficult. And quite possibly the most interesting aspect of this is the, the dichotomy of opinions on where things are at. Because if you look on MSNBC and NBC News and ABC, they assure you that the stock market's at an all-time high and that the economy's doing great. Um, meanwhile, the average American struggles to pay for their grocery bill. 
The average American struggles to be able to pay to fill up their automobile to drive to work so that they can provide for the family. The average American has never had a more difficult time existing, yet the people in power say things have never been better. Of course, that means they've never been better for the people in power. As things have gotten worse for the average American, things are they're great in Washington, D.C. Everyone's fine because the mean man, the man that threatened their order, the man that threatened their corruption, and the man that stood in the way of, of, of their total monopolistic domination of this country is gone. And they have brought 91 counts of fraudulent charges against him in courtrooms across the country with judges that have no interest in the rule of law, that have no interest in decency, that have no interest in the Constitution, and simply seek to meet the, the, the political demands of the Democrat and Republican establishments in Washington, D.C. So as we look at the Republican primary field and we look at the results from Iowa, people keep talking about DeSantis. They keep talking about Nikki Haley and saying, oh, well, these people, you know, they showed uh, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis' speech on MSNBC. They didn't show Donald Trump. And that's because there is a concerted effort within the political establishment on both sides of the political aisle to move on from Donald Trump. That is their goal. And with, with Dave being on today, I, I think it would be interesting to open this show up. It, for those that don't know, I got my start with a website called launchliberty.com. And I founded that and I did a show from uh, my house in Maryland. And I actually continued that work a year into being down here in Florida. So Maryland is something or a state that I pay very close attention to. And during the last gubernatorial race, there was a man running as a, uh, you know, no unaffiliated candidate. His name was Kyle Sefcheck. Good man. Now, Kyle runs several. I mean, we're talking big charities where uh, Hispanic American charities uh, for homeless Christian charities. This guy is 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 almost a saint. I mean, if you looked at what he actually does and how much money he puts back into play, I mean, this guy is a serious, seriously connected individual. Now he attempted to run as an unaffiliated uh, candidate for governor of Maryland. And upon doing so, he had to get, I think it was 10,000 signatures um, from, from random people around the state. Um, the voters, 10,000 voters had to sign this petition in, in order for him to get on the ballot. So he would turn in a sheet of say 200, 300 people. And the state board of elections would come back and say, well, actually, like every third name is wrong or or this person put the wrong letter. We can't really tell what this letter is or this person didn't do this right. So we're crossing the name off. And, and basically what it came down to was a third of the names that he collected were, were pushed away. Now, going into this election cycle, the next election cycle, uh, there's been a party that has been given ballot access in the state of Maryland. Now, that party is the no labels party. Now, if you know anything about no labels, no labels was created by former Maryland governor, Larry Hogan. So Kyle Sefcheck, a well-connected guy who does a lot of good charity work, unable to get on the ballot, yet Larry Hogan with his no labels party, instant ballot access. They already have ballot access heading into 2024. Now, how would that happen? Well, I know a lot of people in Maryland and I know I pay attention to the politics and, and I asked, Everybody I know, hey, have you heard about this petition to get no labels on the ballot? Have you heard anything? Do you know anybody who signed this thing? And nobody has. And there's not that many people paying attention to the Maryland political scene. Uh, so, you know, you're looking at this and saying, okay, they didn't get the signatures, but they got ballot access. So what does that tell you? Well, it appears to me that Larry Hogan, who, who, for all intents and purposes, destroyed the Maryland Republican Party, is now trying to come up with an alternative to the Republican Party. And we're seeing this across the board with people like Joe Manchin. We're seeing this with people like Larry Hogan. We're seeing this with people like Chris Christie. We're seeing this across the board where people are trying to adopt this no labels kind of thing. And, and we have to examine that and say, well, what is that? Well, all we have to do is look at Iowa, folks. The Republican Party is the party of Donald Trump and the people like Larry Hogan, the political hacks who spent their entire careers 
grifting and moving and shaking to try to get to the top so they would have a little bit of power, they are rendered powerless by the people because the people stand behind Donald Trump. And as we go forward here, we're going to see more people like Larry Hogan on the left and the right continue to levy attacks against Trump and his base in an attempt to, to weaken the Republican Party. Because if, if the Republican establishment can't win the fight for the soul of the Republican Party, they will simply steal it. That's how these people operate. That's how they op. And, and just if you want an idea of how these Republicans operate, folks, it's, it was 30 years before Trump stood on the debate stage and said, our industry is being shipped off the shore. Our industry is being shipped off the shore. And it took Donald Trump being elected to stand before the executives in this country and say, if you, if you take your plant out of the United States and you put it in Mexico, I'm going to charge you a 40% tariff on every single vehicle you send into this country. And all of a sudden, the plants stayed in America. All of a sudden, people started building in America. It took Donald Trump to do that. Before that, the Republican politicians were absolutely fine watching your job shipped off the shore and then watching your family become addicted to opioids as the opioid pandemic just blows up. And, and, and now it's gotten even to the point where they're putting fentanyl in it. It's not enough that they have you on opioids. They're going to put fentanyl in it on top of it to kill even more of us. And that's the point, folks. The industry left and the Republicans did nothing. The Democrats encouraged it. Donald Trump changed that. And the same establishment bureaucrats that sat and watched your country get destroyed, that sat and sold you out and sold everything across the oceans, those same people now want control of their party back. And their horse in this race is Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is the globalist establishment Republican candidate in this race. And if we don't identify that and we continue to go out there and let her put on her little sweetheart message, it's going to be a massive problem. It's going to be a massive problem. And you see people are calling her out. And trust me, she wouldn't have any support if it wasn't for the millionaire and billionaires dumping money down her back so she could run television ads every second of every day. It's the only support she gets. The only support she gets is because she has millions and millions of dollars in the bank from people who want to see this country raped and pillaged and who have done that raping and pillaging over many, many years. So the choice, folks, in 2024 is very clear. We have the established order, the thing that has brought us to the brink of chaos or the solution to that chaos. You can either pick the establishment or the anti-establishment. And what we choose as a nation will determine whether we succeed and whether we continue to have a future. It will determine whether the fate of mankind will fall off or will we continue to grow, expand into enlightenment. The United States is the watchdog. The United States is the leader of the free world. China is trying to supplant us, but they can't. They can't because these are, this is not a country that that is ready to, to, to take things over. This is not a country that's gonna run in and shoulder us out of the way. As we talk about so many times, China lays down and lets things happen over hundreds of years, maybe even thousands of years. Eventually they feel as if they will be in control of the destiny of mankind. It is our duty as Americans to stand up to them and say, no, this is our world. This is the United States world. It is our world and we will control the fate of humanity. We will enlighten our people and we will expand upon where we are as a species. We want to see improvement, folks. We don't want to see continu this continual backsliding and infighting. We want to see humanity expand and technology expand and we want to see the wonders of humankind develop. We don't want to see them fall into some kind of Chinese dark age of censorship. So moving forward, folks, just keep in mind, you can pick the establishment that has destroyed this country or the anti-establishment that serves as an antidote to the chaos. Now, before I bring on our guest here, uh, Dave Wallace, running for Congress in Maryland, too, I wanted to take a moment just to uh, help Roger keep the lights on here, folks, because we do have such a fantastic platform here uh, to be able to talk freely and openly 
Um, and, and it's not something that we see every day. Now, now this doesn't come out of nowhere, folks. I mean, it's because of your support that we were able to put this together. So I'm asking everybody out there, please go to mypillow.com. Uh, get yourself some slippers, get yourself the bed sheets, get yourself as Roger talks about so many times the dog beds. I mean, those things, I mean, if you got a dog, I have several dogs myself, you want them to be comfortable, you want them to be able to uh, you know, sleep in peace and, 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 and comfort. And you can do that with a, my pillow, a bed, or, or why not even a, a classic, my pillow. I mean, that's one product that I can say faithfully that I use a lot is the actual, my pillow, just the regular pillow. Um, it beats basically every other pillow you will find on the market. Why not get a discount and help this show using promo code stone again, go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code stone. Now, um, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I would like to introduce my guest, my good friend. Uh, he's running for Congress in Maryland's second district. He's also the founder of the Free Energy Foundation. And uh, as, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Dave Wallace is about as smart as they come when it comes to energy and understanding uh, world politics. It's an honor to have him here. So welcome on my guest, Dave Wallace. Well, thanks very much. Um, not affiliated with my campaign is Fair Energy Foundation. And it's such a joy to be on the air with you, seeing you face to face through uh, the uh, the digital media that we're using today. And I want to thank you, Troy, for asking me to come on the air to to uh, enjoy the show with you to the extent you will allow it. And also, I want to thank Roger uh, Roger Stone, who's a fantastic man. He's taken a lot of uh, hits. Uh, by the current Biden administration and Mayorkas and the FBI, and they're just really doing everything they can to destroy those people who really care about the direction of the United States, where on one side you have fascism, socialism, and they're not too far apart. They're really not that far apart. But then on the other hand, there are those people who seek the triumph of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness so children can be raised in loving homes in the nuclear family with a mother and a father they're trying to destroy that with cultural marxism they're going to be trying to utilize uh, diversity inclusion and equity let's not reverse those letters because it spells die it's meant to kill our culture we then see the impediments of a fascist control through regulation of our private corporations, as well as even small business at every level, especially energy, with the advancement of the Inflation Reduction Act and the impediments against fossil fuels, which are now being directed and huge funds of the federal government are being directed on an open-ended policy of green energy across every dynamic, across every model. So we can't get investment, which is going to lower the price of energy, including refineries, because everybody's in the Biden administration, the globalists, they've all decided they wanna destroy America's energy opportunity and hand it over to the Chinese who will make our solar and wind while they're using coal the least expensive cost energy, and they don't care about the pollution like we do. And we have clean relative to pollutants, true pollutants, coal production. We have the opportunities to advance that even further through innovation, ingenuity, and engineering. But instead, they want to destroy us. So I, I want to mention that we have a model that is going to propel all conservatives, all Americans across the aisle, Democrat, Republican, independents, of which overall within the United States, we have 27% Republicans, 27% Democrats. Those two parties are losing constituency, the American people, because neither party has really focused until Donald Trump and the MAGA movement 
Donald Trump has been the first president since Ronald Reagan to advance the American model. So when I've been launching and discussing my campaign, I put it in the model of restoring America's mission, and I've been put on the premise of restore America's mission. That means restore America's culture, restore America's economy, restore America's uh, security and safety, both on our border, our southern border, our ports of entry, as well as resettlement that's being funded and, and supplied by our U.S. government, as well as making sure our local communities right here in the Baltimore metropolitan area, Carroll County and Baltimore County, as well as Baltimore City, are safe and secure, prosperous, and one where we can grow beautiful families where moms and dads can love their kids in safety and in harmony. And we've got to pull everybody together. It's the left job. The most critical job they have is to divide us, create tribalism, to create envy, greed, jealousy, so that everyone is fighting amongst one another while the leftist establishment and those that are in actuality fascists based on our American model, who hate the American model, cause us to look at each other and not the problem, which is government. And that's why I'm running. I love America. I'm a lifelong Marylander. I'm a lifelong Marylander who has been raised in this district, at least adjacent, if not directly in it. I've raised my family in it. I was educated in science in a Maryland university I'm not a carpetbagger. I'm not a guy who came out of D.C. and just decided, hey, look, I've moved to Maryland in the last six years. I've been working for President Obama, President Biden, even President Trump. I'm in the area that you know as being one of the most, if not the most, industrialized cities in the United States, as well as in the world. We have the best port. We have the best geography, we have the best placement. And we all know when it comes to uh, real estate for industrial capacity, as well as home building and so forth, it's location, location, location. And Maryland is America in miniature. And when we run and we win in the Maryland 2nd Congressional District, we as America in miniature will start taking back America through Maryland, through Baltimore, giving every single person, including every minority who's a legal citizen of the United States, the opportunity to thrive, to flourish, to have prosperity, wealth, and human dignity. And my premise is all based on human dignity and thriving of humanity exactly and and dave i think that's an important you make an important a very important point about maryland in general right there it's, it's just uh it's such a beautiful place and it's such a place that care that 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 kind of represents the united states and as we've kind of seen time go on here it's become uh, uh sadder and sadder to go into places like baltimore city you know i i think if people are not from that area or haven't been there they don't understand the devastation that has occurred um you know, uh, as we're talking here, you know, the, the, the subject that we really wanted to tackle this episode is Trump's energy revolution. And you're just the guy that I wanted to talk about this with because you've actually had interactions with the EPA. You've sued the EPA through the First Energy Foundation. And it's it's fair. It's the Fair Energy Foundation. And it's it's very important uh, for people to understand how the the kind of greater picture here of how how big energy is of a player when it comes to politics and things of that nature so i'd like you to kind of just give us the basic rundown what was trump's big energy revolution what was the thing that he brought to the energy industry that kind of revived it to the to the extent that it did could you start there well it's very simple you unleash the ingenuity of every single american worker American engineer, the American energy industry, and you don't hamstring it 
with the regulations and the destruction of all facets upstream, which is drilling, midstream, which is uh, transportation, including pipelines, which we know now is being destroyed because President Trump made sure that we had the greatest amount of energy production, the greatest opening of the spigot, so our pipelines and other means of transportation, including tankers that are carrying liquefied natural gas all over the world. And there were no restrictions. The only one that is always the premise of any good government is safety and security and the protection of those people who reside near uh, the refineries, re reside near the liquefaction plants. And although there have been uh, uh, circumstances where things haven't been perfect, we see the growth of energy and the driver. This is the driver of, of our entire industrial economy that's based on fossil fuels, whether it's the production of steel using energy like coke. You can't do everything with electricity as much as Nucor is a phenomenal steel company. You still need coke-fired steel mills. We need, uh, in addition to that, concrete production. And the EPA has been so detrimental. And the president put restrictions. He held back the EPA. He tried to get people into the EPA who would allow America's economy to grow while we grew our energy production. He also made sure that when our allies and our frenemies needed U.S. coverage because of the risks posed by Russia, by China, uh, and especially by Iran in the Middle East, where they could choke off the Strait of Hormuz, they could choke, choke off the outlet from the Red Sea into the Gulf of Aden. We made sure that those passageways, those straits were all safe to travel. And now we see chaos because of a failed, feeble administration driven by a failed, feeble president who has no direction, no purpose, and his only purpose is to drive the globalist agenda as well as the China agenda over and above every single American who wants a good paying job, who wants to see the American economy thrive so they can have great paying wages, not minimum wages. Let's remember when we lost steel because of China, because of Russia, manipulating our market, even manipulating the Bethlehem Steel Works when RK Steel purchased it, they disassembled it. Now, was that by mistake or was that by intent? And how dare we sell off our industrial production to Russian interests, Chinese interests, whether it's land or our industrial base. Remember, Smithfield Foods, which used to be Smithfield Ham, and everybody knows the Smithfield Ham, that's been sold to China. Our land near all of our air bases and our military bases, besides air, as well as our uh, missile batteries, our Minuteman missile batteries, our our B-52 bomber strategic forces, as well as our B-1, our B-2, and our, our new uh, bomber, bombers, our strategic bombers, are all at grave risk because right now, what do we have? We have an American soil being sold off to China. And these people are specifically purchasing land close to our strategic bases in the heartland of America. They're also buying strategic port facilities at every one of the strategic points. And if we can recall, there was a great general, Sun Tzu, who said the best war 
is one where you can win without ever firing a shot. Well, if we see every single one of these international waterways choked off, the United States vigor will be choked off with it. And we can't be reliant on China anymore. Now, you can talk about the problems all you want, but we need real sound solutions to these problems. Not ones that are gonna be born on the back of Americans, but be born on the backs of the Chinese, the Iranians, and the Russians who are doing everything they can to marginalize the United States, destroy our friends, our pe the people around the world who have similar and cohesive interests with the United States. This is a war of aggression, no doubt about it. Uh, on the middle of October, shortly after the attack on Israel, the cleric in Tehran, said that they had coalesced around the axis of resistance and the demarcation point in history was going to be October 7th, pre-October 7th and post-October 7th. And now they have a war of aggression, low grade, as you've mentioned on your show in the past, prior to us, uh, you being on the air, you and I discussed it, where they are doing every single thing they can to degrade America's interests around the world. And they see the future as theirs unless we stand up to them. We will well, lose the Middle East. We will lose our other allies around the world. And I appreciate, and I, I didn't want to interfere with your comment. Oh, no, 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 no problem, Dave. I, I, it, there's a lot to unpack here. So I think everybody uh, you know, and I, I think uh, I think it's uh, we, we have your website here, too. I want everybody to uh, check that out as well. It's uh, DaveWallace.us. People can check that out. And uh, it's uh, I don't know if we're going to put it up on the screen or not. It, it, either way, you can just check it out. It's DaveWallace.us. And, uh, I, you know, Dave, uh, one thing that I think people, you know, because I saw this yesterday, too, and we talked a little bit about this. There are a tremendous amount of people there who are looking at fossil fuels and, and they're saying, well, you know, we have to get away from fossil fuels and we have to ban them. I mean, that's what the green, uh, you know, activists say. And, and, and it's not just people on the street. I think it's important for the people at home to understand that the, the really radical climate change green activists, they're in Congress too. I mean, they, you know, these people are, are really out there as far as it, it concerns uh, fossil fuels. You mentioned there the axis, the new axis. Now, this is what the new Arab nations are calling themselves in their new alliance. And it's it's very important because a lot of their efforts are funded based on energy. And we look at Iran and the just just the amount of oil that Iran is sending to China alone is something like over fifty billion dollars worth a year that it brings into their country. Exactly. That's at eighty dollars a barrel. Anything over that, they get excess. In addition to that, they're supplying because of the uh, Biden administration's decision to allow uh, Iran to have free energy flowing out of their country. Their total income per year is over a hundred billion dollars. A hundred billion, and they're That's giving that to those people who are not our friends. Well, exactly. And you see, as as they've been able to kind of expand and 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 kind of have more exports, especially to China. I mean, I, I believe they're the number two exporter to China now of, of all the countries. Well, actually, uh, and, they just recently surpassed Russia. Oh, they're number A one. Lot of now. People aren't aware. They've just surpassed Russia. So um now that number will fluctuate back and forth, but there are weeks that uh China receives more natural gas from, uh, at least in natural gas, from Iran than they will get from Russia. And, you know, there's one thing I want to mention, and I want to make sure there's a distinction, a strong distinction between the leadership of these Arab countries compared to the Iranian-backed militias within these countries. And they call out the Iranian-backed militias coming to blows 
with every United States installation. They're calling for the destruction. These are all Iranian-backed militias, whether they're called Hamas, whether they're called Hezbollah, whether they're called the Houthis. And yet, when you talk to the rank and file, and you know I've been there, I've been there a number of times, I've been in the United Arab Emirates, I've been in Kurdistan, Iraq, I've met with uh, Sunni Iraqis, as well as those people on the ground, even in Beirut, when I visited Beirut, I've also visited, I have very close um, knowledge of the situation in Egypt. They couldn't stand the Arab Spring because we allowed under President Obama, whether you liked him or not at the time, the Arab Spring to give full control that revolution that appeared and occurred for about approximately two years, the Egyptian country over to the Muslim Brotherhood. And who was the Muslim Brotherhood? They are the founders of Hamas. They helped create many of these terrorist organizations. And although they don't work hand in hand with Iran per se, they utilize the model a enemy of my enemy is my friend, and in turn, they build alliances along with them. But I want to tell you, when this attack occurred uh, on October 7th, it was a day that was just prior in 1981 that the Muslim Brotherhood killed a man who pulled together a peace treaty with Israel, Anwar Sadat, October 6th. So when they did this October 7th attack, I believe, and in fact, there are many Israeli news reports that say the hard left in Israel knew of these attacks, but their blinders to the attack were so strong they ignored them, even though they received a report at 3.30 in the morning from the intelligence services that were gathering information on Hamas. And the leader of the organization for security who headed up that ministry as a leftist and a holdover from the prior government, he said it can wait until nine o'clock. And now because of that, we had 1,200 plus we had 200 plus murdered, butchered, and we had 200 plus who were kidnapped, many of whom have been raped and murdered since then because they didn't want to see them go, including one of those who happened to be in the security uh, office where they had intelligence gathering and they were overrun by the small Israeli force. So we have all of these elements there. And we right now, as you are aware, we have Ariane Tabatabai, who's a chief of staff for our low intensity warfare. And whether she's a spy or not, it's not yet been determined. But she has a strong allegiance, which could give her blinders to the true threats that we see right now knowing that Iran is becoming momentarily, if not already, a nuclear power and with missile technology that can not only be launched in the Middle East, but it could easily be launched off of a freighter off the U.S. coast, whether it's in the Gulf of Mexico or whether it's off the Atlantic or Pacific coast. And now, because of our relinquishing the... Panama Canal and the Chinese having control over both the Caribbean port as well as the Pacific port, the Caribbean port on the Gulf of Mexico in the underbelly of the United States, they have frigates because the Chinese have given marching orders to one of our allies because the Biden administration doesn't stand up to China and Panama, the country of Panama, which is the isthmus of Central America that connects Colombia 
to Central and North America. And what they've done is they have allowed these um, frigates, Iranian frigates, to have direct passage from the Pacific Ocean into the Caribbean. And what are they carrying? Are we stopping them with our Coast Guard? Are we stopping them to assure that they don't have missile technology launched, whether it's rudimentary or not? Any missile with even a dirty bomb with nuclear radiation on it, even if it doesn't detonate, would destroy the United States. It would destroy our civility, it would de destroy our sense of safety, and it would make 9-11 look like a small pinprick compared to what four or five or a hundred missiles launched from multiple frigates in our own Caribbean could cause. It's ter it really is terrifying, Dave. And and I think, uh, you know, for a lot of people, it's got to be tough to hear this kind of information, but it's a very important that we do because the stakes are really high. And when we look at the look at the border, it's exactly the same thing like you're talking about. We're not we're not looking at things. We're, we're simply kind of allowing ourselves to be taken over here. And, you know, like we said, the, the, the distinction here to be made, folks, is that the energy revolution is funding both sides of this. It was funding the America's resurgence under Trump, and now it's funding the resurgence of these terrorist groups who have kind of taken over oil and natural gas production in the Middle East, as Dave pointed out, with the Iranian-backed militias. Now, Dave, I don't think a lot of people understand the depth and the, the abundance of natural resources that God has given the United States right under our feet. So while we hear so much, you know, I'm a firm believer in that politics is downstream from the culture that's a breitbart statement he he made that in his book many years ago i firmly believe in that and and the culture states that the united states got into the wars in the middle east over energy when in actuality we have more energy under our own feet than is in the middle east don't we absolutely whether for coal we have four to five hundred years <laughs> and that's you know one of the things we want to remember that's with current state-of-the-art technology not future technology. Those are known, proved reserves that we have full knowledge of. So when it looks at when we look at oil, we have a few hundred years of oil now. We have multiple hundred years of natural gas with no and yet this is all being restricted. What was that? And that that's with no improvements. Like you're saying, that's, this is going to exactly. last much longer. Remember, we 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 used to look at the oil as a depleted reserve that would force us to go to wind and solar and nuclear. Nuclear isn't bad, but there's one thing about nuclear we have to worry about. It becomes the full domain, domain of government. And when government decides to flip it off, shut it down, it would be just as if all of a sudden your internet went down with the snap of a finger. Where are we going to get our backup reserve? Whereas the diffuse energy model, where we have multiple energy sources that not only create balance, but give the power to the people of the United States, that's when we have greater security. Because then the leftists who want to dominate the United States and use energy as a weapon against the American people whether the, the globalists, the communists, the Islamists, or our own American socialists, who with, with power, they themselves would be communists. I believe the only difference between a socialist and a communist is how much power they have within their fists. Because when they grab a hold of it with their fist, they're going to squeeze as tight as they can. And when they squeeze, they're not squeezing their fist. They're squeezing every single American. And I'm against that. And although I'm vociferous against the elitist establishment, where they want to see life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for 10% of the people, I'm for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for 100% of the people. And that's the bottom line. 
And that's why I'm running for office, as a matter of fact. And before that, that's why I founded Fair Energy Foundation, so we could strike back at the left. We could strike back at those people who want to destroy American lives. We want to strike back against the people who would destroy our uh, production, industrialized economy for the American worker, where instead of having great paying jobs, they get minimum wage paying jobs. And we've seen with the destruction of our industrial capacity since 2000 that our wages have only gone up about $3,000. This is what's causing moms not to want to go to work, but be forced to go to work. And we need to have an opportunity to fix these problems. And in fixing them, we've been working hard at Fair Energy Foundation, as well as with conservatives around the country, as well as in Maryland, to not just fix America's problems of culture, of economics and jobs, and also our uh, security, where we maintain and restore our arsenal of democracy, we have solutions to these as my team that I have put together with some of the greatest minds from across the United States that belong to one of my think tanks, as well as those ideas that are structurally so critical to the Baltimore marketplace. And one of the things I didn't say about Maryland, as Helen Dealich Bentley said, as others have echoed from her, including William Donald Schaefer, a great Maryland Democrat, and that is the way Baltimore goes, the way our port of Baltimore goes, as well as all of its industrial capacity, so goes the economy for the entire state of Maryland, for good, hardworking, blue-collar workers, white-collar workers, tan-collar workers. And this is why I'm fighting for the American people. This is why I'm in this, to win it and not to stop until we're victorious. Well, Dave, I think uh, for the people of Maryland, uh, that would be a welcome change. I think, uh, you know, living in that state for as long as I did, I understand that there is a little bit of a lack of hope. And uh, your message definitely provides a lot of hope to people who are looking for answers and not just this kind of, you know, this idealism, these uh, bumper sticker words. You seem to bring a lot more substance. And knowing you, I know you really do bring that substance to the table. You really are involved in a lot of this stuff. So I would encourage everybody, please check out Dave's website, DaveWallace.us. Check him out on Twitter. Uh, he's on all the social medias. Uh, and 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 you'll, I think, you know, you'll be impressed with what you see because the, the stuff that he puts out there is not, you know, bumper sticker, hey, vote for me stuff. It's actual issues and he's tackling real problems. And I think... Uh, it's something that uh, is very respectable and something that a lot of candidates could learn from. So, Dave, we got just a few minutes here uh, before we have to head out of here and, and enjoy our lovely weekend. Uh, Roger's already got ahead of us here, so he's he's already enjoying the weekend. But uh, I I think, you know, the the, the one main piece of, of, of pushback that I receive on the fossil fuels is talking about climate change because this kind of narrative of climate change oh, has so been, you know, it, it's been hammered over and over again. And and people say that if you had your way, that if that that if fossil fuels were unleashed and that Trump had his way and that that the American people had free and easy access to energy, that or, or I should say cheap and easy access to energy, that our planet would simply boil, that temperatures would increase, that plant life would die. I mean, they 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 they've come up with all kinds of things. So I'd like you to talk about the effect that carbon dioxide has on our environment and what you found, because it so contradicts everything we've been told and it's so important for people to understand. Well, first of all, we wanna know that without greenhouse gases, the United States, as well as the entire globe would be uninhabitable. We would go from extreme temperatures at night to extreme temperatures in the day. As soon as the sun would come up, we'd have that immediate, heating effect, but because we have water vapor, 
we do not have that effect. It is the singular greenhouse gas that has the greatest impact on our atmosphere and on temperatures around the globe. Now, remember, back in the late 60s, 68, 69, it was the beginning of the notorious ice age period that was going to envelop the world. And we were going to have an overnight freeze-over, like a cold snap from an Alberta clipper, as Marylanders understand, as well as people in Montana and Idaho. Yet today, we don't see that. We're hearing all about climate change from the standpoint of the gradient of temperatures. Now, one of the things that dog, dogmatists talk about is cold air is climate change. Hot air is climate change. Drought is climate change. Ocean temperatures. Change. And, but the funny thing is, when everything is climate change, you then have to ask, are these people trying to buffalo me? So what we do is we look at the number one greenhouse gas, and then we look at the number two greenhouse gas, and then we see what is man's impact on the one greenhouse gas that we've done a little bit with. And that's the number one greenhouse gas to the greatest majority is uh, water vapor. And then people say to me, but, you know, we have so much CO2 in the atmosphere. How much CO2 is there? We have 21% of the atmosphere that's oxygen. We know we have a carbon cycle between oxygen and carbon dioxide. It's not carbon. It's not coal floating in the air. It's an odorless, tasteless, non-toxic, non-acerbic gas. It doesn't burn you up. It doesn't burn up your lungs. You have 30,000 parts per million in your lungs, even before your brain says, I have to take a breath. That's 30,000 parts per million. So they say, what's the percentage of CO2 in the atmosphere when we know we have 21% oxygen? I ask people on the street, I do the man on the street interview, every single taxi driver around the world, they say, well, we know it's a problem. And how much did you say oxygen was? I say 21%. Well, it must be 79 or 80%. They think the atmosphere is super saturated with CO2. And then I say, well, you're a little high. They go 60. Well, you're still a little high. 40, you're still a little high. Well, it's got to be over 21%. I say, no, as a matter of fact, it's less than 21%. Really? So it must be 15 or 18%. I say, no. It's not 10%, it's not 5%, it's not even 1%. Well, you gotta have at least 1% of CO2 in the atmosphere. And I say, no, it's actually less than a fraction of a percent. So they say, is it 0.1%? And I still say, it's still lower. And these are all facts that can be borne out. The actual number today is 0.1%. 0.4%. And if you want to go down one more decimal point, it's 0.042%. Now, are you telling me with all of the carbon dioxide that's always been in the atmosphere, and we're only responsible for about three of those molecules of CO2, are we the ones responsible? Or maybe is it that the Earth gases all of those uh, 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 elements that have already been deposited into the soil through all of the geological ages, all of that biomass is finally breaking down. It comes up through fissures in the earth. And I want to thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I don't know how much longer we have. We might be only down to the last few seconds. But CO2 is not man-made caused, and CO2 does not affect or impact our 
atmosphere, and it is not creating climate change. It is well, not creating global warming or global cooling. It is an integral part of the atmosphere who has, that has little, if nothing, to do with the impact on our atmosphere. Well, Dave, I, you know, I can't imagine, you know, I've met a lot of people doing this. I've been doing this for almost two years and you are by far the person uh, that I've met that, that, that just understands things at a level that I think I don't really see in government in general. And that's why uh, you got my full support there in Maryland, of course, as always. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be supporting you as well, because you bring some substance to a field of people that usually and typically do not have that. So, Dave Wallace, uh, it's an honor, sir. As Thanks always. very much, Troy. And, uh, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, people can go to my website, DaveWallace.us. We are building a really big ground game and a grassroots game. But if you have five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen dollars, or a thousand, whatever you can do to make our race winnable based on the fact that it takes money to run your ads and to create knowledge of your campaign and the person who's running and getting voter ID up so we have a real chance of beating a guy who's a go-along to get along with President Biden, Dutch Ruppersberger. He's an elderly man and he's becoming more and more feeble. I don't believe he's going to be able to handle this in the next term. I'm here to make sure we have real change for the American worker, the American family, and American security. Safety in the homes, safety in the streets, safety at our border, and safety for American workers. So we can produce goods like never before. We can have the great paying jobs. And so I just wanna thank you for your time. I want to thank Roger as well, uh, Mr. Stone, for having me on the air and your producer and all the people out there who have listened. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Dave Wallace, and I approve this message. <laughs> that is throwing his tagline there. I like that. I, you know, uh, like I said, folks, the energy revolution is really uh, it's a it's a centerpiece of the America First movement. And without it, the whole thing doesn't really work. And when you contrast and you really look at the whole picture, you see that Dave's right. The people that are coming after America and really coming after us and coming after our interests, they're being funded by their own energy. So we can either equal them and we can build our own nation and we can move forward ourselves or we can lose. And I don't want to lose. And that's not what we're trying to do here. We want America to win. We want Americans to be successful. And we can do that by getting 100% into the energy field and understanding that this whole climate change thing that they're pushing on us are really handcuffs for our economy. That's you know, what not really that, just one last thing, and I, I, I want to mention this. This is an interdiction of our free market on the kinds of cars you own, the kind of uh, gas stove or electric stove that you purchase. In every facet, they're destroying our economy and also, we no longer have the balance between coal and natural gas and others because the base fuel is only natural gas. And when the cost of natural gas goes up, there's no relief valve where we can push back on the amount of coal. Why? Because there aren't enough coal-fired power plants. And when we have electrical production that doesn't meet, meet the demand because we have so many electric cars, on a cold day like this, you get stuck in the snow, you keep the heater on, eventually that electric car in a very rapid amount of time, because they push the limits for mileage and the extent that the battery can be used, is destroyed. And you're out there sitting in the cold, freezing to death. And that can happen literally, like it's happened in Texas, where we had the freeze out a few years ago, as well as California where they're seeing brownouts. And thank you very much for having me. Awesome, Dave. No, I really appreciate it. And uh, and we have uh, we have so much to talk about here. It's just uh, hard to fit it all in an hour. So Dave Wallace well, got you. I'd love to have you bring me back. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. We'll bring you back. Uh, 
with good information like that, it's it's important to get your message out there. And it's important for the American people to understand what we are up against. And that's what I hope we are able to do here, folks. So I'm Troy Smith filling in for Roger Stone today on the Stone Zone. I hope you enjoyed the program here. And I hope that you will continue to support us by going to MyPillow.com and using promo code STONE to get all your favorite goods, all your favorite pillows, the dog beds that we love so much. And uh, so many others really impressed with the selection that Mike Lindell has over there. So please check that out. Again, my guest was Dave Wallace. He's running for Congress in District 2 in Maryland. You can check him out at DaveWallace.us. I'm Troy Smith, the editor-in-chief of Rare.us and your co-host, uh, or actually your fill-in host today. So I hope thanks, you enjoyed the show. Mike as well. Thanks exactly. Mike as well. Thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, all of you for watching. And I hope you have a beautiful weekend. We will see you bright and early on Monday. Thank you very much.